Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this wonderful Friday, last day of the working week, Friday the 16th of July, 2021. Been a couple of days since I recorded a podcast, run a number of workshops, had conversations with clients and also conversations with potential clients, which unfortunately meant uh, I had to put the podcast episodes on the back burner for a couple of days. But I'm back, got some time today to record a podcast and uh, hopefully today's episode will be of value. Now, if you haven't plugged into the podcast, if you haven't listened to previous episodes, please do yourself a favor and go back and have a listen to the back catalog, in particular the last podcast episode, which was on Tuesday, which was a great interview with Tanya Pluckrose from Las Vegas, a fellow Aussie. If you haven't listened to that, we talked about all things mindset around uh, around sales and why mindset mastery is absolutely critical to our ability, not only as salespeople, to be super successful, but also as sales leaders and the responsibility we have as sales leaders to set the example. So it was a wonderful time to uh, interview uh, a great lady uh, who's doing amazing things around the world with a lot of business people and a lot of sales people. So uh, it was an honor to have her on the podcast. If you haven't listened to that, uh, please do yourself a favor and give it a give it a listen. Love to get your feedback. Uh, and with that, if you can, please rate the show as well on the platform that you're listening to. That'll be greatly appreciated. That will actually enable other people who are looking for information, tactics, strategies, all things sales and sales leadership to more easily find the show on the various platforms. So that would be greatly appreciated. It's not about whether I get uh, five-star ratings. It's more about how much easier it is to find the platforms because all the algorithms on these platforms, don't know how it works, but somehow the more ratings you get, uh, the more visible the podcast episodes become. So if you can do me a massive favor and do that, that'll be greatly appreciated. And also, if there's somebody in your sphere of influence who you feel would be of uh, able to get benefit from listening to some of the stuff that I talk about, then please feel free to share this with them and uh, do and pay it forward. Pay it forward to them and hopefully uh, have, help them make uh, make progress and get their leadership or their sales uh, sales directorship to move in the upward direction and get to another level. So thank you for that ahead of time. So in today's episode, as we finish off the week, I wanted to talk about uh, objections. <laughs> objections are awesome. And uh, I ran a, a great workshop yesterday for a wonderful great, a bunch of people at a, a big, I was going to say an iconic company, and it is an iconic company. Uh, it's a global company, but very, very big in Australia. And uh, they were awesome. And we spent the whole day talking about objections. So it was a wonderful conversation. And these guys have been in sales for a long, long time. And it for some of them, it was a bit of a refresher. But what's interesting is if you've been in sales for a long time, you often get into a little bit of a comfort zone doing things the way you've always done. And the conversation yesterday, there was a few things said by a number of their peers and what wasn't necessarily the stuff that I, I shared with them because a lot of the stuff was probably uh, something they already knew, I guess, or had been taught before. But sometimes the way things are portrayed or uh, communicated in a slightly different way can be the difference that makes all the difference. And that's all it takes. It just takes one slight change in perspective to uh, give somebody a new insight to therefore enable them to do something slightly different when it comes to dealing with their customers, which could, by the way, make the difference that makes all the difference in terms of turning a prospective customer into a customer or turning an existing customer into an even bigger customer. So we uh, we had a great conversation and in today's episode, I just wanted to touch on a, a few points in relation to objections. What staggers me is 
the number of salespeople out there and sales leaders in particular who would rather do anything else than deal with objections. It's almost like they want the sales process to be seamless. It's kind of like they're expecting 100% guarantee that the customer is going to be uh, going forward, going to be moving forward, going to be purchasing their product, taking their service, at least moving to the next step. And intuitively, they recognize that sales is full of unpredictability, but they still they still want to guarantee that if they go down the path of talking to this particular customer, taking them through a, a sales process, that'll be seamless to the point where a lot of sales leaders and their teams try to avoid these objections at all costs. And one thing we have to know for sure, if there's one thing that is predictable in selling, in the selling game, is it is that objections will be part of the game. Now, one of the things that I'm really, really annoyed at is many sales trainers, many sales leaders, and many quote-unquote gurus will have you believe that when it comes to sales, we have, and certainly when it comes to objections, we have to overcome objections. Well, I'm here to tell you that is absolute bollocks. Objections do not need to be overcome. They simply need to be handled. And this is a mindset shift. So if you actually think about an objection, what is an objection from a customer? Well, my perspective, and this is my philosophy, is an objection is simply a, a cry for help. There is not enough information yet that this particular potential customer has received that enables them to make an informed judgment call or an informed decision. It's not that they don't care because if they didn't care and they didn't want to do business, a lot of them would just be silent or they'd simply say no. Now, they put up objections because there's something missing. And our, our role as sales leaders and certainly as sales teams is to find out what is the missing pieces so that we can best identify a solution to fit that missing piece. So as I've always talked about, sales is ultimately problem solving. So what we're trying to do here is identify what is the need, what is the problem, and what solution do we potentially have that may be a solution to that problem. It's not about flogging a product. It's not about pushing stuff on people that they don't want or that they don't need. It's simply looking for, is there a need? Is there a problem? And if I can articulate this problem better than they can, you know the drill, then they will attribute us as having a potential solution to that problem. And we'd be doing an injustice to them and to us if we didn't offer them a solution to that problem. So we've got to get it out of our head that objections have to be overcome. They don't have to be overcome. They simply need to be handled. In fact, great salespeople and certainly exceptional salespeople will do this. They will actually plan objections throughout the conversation. They will plan objections and they'll deal with objections throughout the sales process so that when the, when the, when the potential customer gets towards the end, all of the objections are pretty much taken care of. They've already been handled, so there's nothing left to object to. And that's the process they go through. And more times than not, because they've led the customer down the path and because they've done it with integrity and because they've identified the problem and therefore because they've put a solution in place, a natural consequence of that is they're going to move forward and do business. And this is the ultimate form of service. As I always talk about, sales being the ultimate form of service. But we've got to do it in the right way. So don't shy away from them. The key message today is don't shy away from objections. Accept them as part of the process. Now, how do we handle them? Well, I'm going to share with you a simple four-step process to do that. But before we do, one of the things we talked about yesterday was what are the key reasons as to why objections are provided in the first place? Now, there's probably a heap of different categories, but we limited these down to three main categories. The first one is a level of skepticism. Now, if you think about it, most people are naturally skeptical. Now, what our role is, as certainly as salespeople, is to build trust really quickly, build build trust with integrity really quickly so that it's possible to prevent the skepticism from turning into a potential objection. Now, there's many, many ways that conversations with uh, with potential customers can breed skepticism. And here are some of the common mistakes that I see salespeople make 
on a very regular basis. First of all is they have a lack of rapport. They don't spend enough time building relationships, building credibility, and really earning the right to provide a solution to a problem because they haven't invested too much or enough in the relationship up in the first place. So a lack of rapport is a key mistake that people make. The other one is they make uh, poor judgment calls in terms of either asking really poor questions or they give really poor answers to questions that potential customers have. And therefore, they don't give enough uh, information to a customer where that particular customer feels comfortable, which therefore leads to a natural level of skepticism and therefore a lack of trust. The other one is they move too fast. There are too many salespeople that just want to go for the kill. And this fallacy around always be closing is, again, absolute rubbish, right? It's not about always closing. It's always building a relationship to take the customer to the next level. And remembering we're playing the infinite game. We're not playing the finite game. So don't move too fast. And the final one is over-promising. Making promises that either you can't keep or saying things just to try and entice the customer to make a decision which is not necessarily founded in truth. So don't over-promise. If anything, under-promise and then over-deliver and you'll all of a sudden see this level of skepticism be removed. So that's skepticism. The other one is misunderstanding. So misunderstanding pretty much comes from a lack of communication or poor communication, which therefore reduces the engagement they have with your potential customers. So in order to do that, we've got to be really clear on what is the need we're actually trying to identify, what is the customer trying to achieve in terms of their objectives, and what solution do I potentially have that might actually fit that need. Now, if you think about those things and keep it really, really simple, then you will minimize the opportunity for misunderstanding to come in and therefore remove the opportunity for objections to be put on the table. Now, if there is an objection based on a misunderstanding, then the first thing to think about is what have I done or not done that has led that customer to make that decision to throw out an objection? So it comes back on me. It's not about the lack of information or lack of understanding from the, from the customer. It's a lack of communication on my part. So misunderstanding is a big one. And then the final one, you're just going to have customers who will simply stall. They just don't want to make a decision. Now, it could be a whole host of reasons for that. They might not be the key decision maker. They just might want to think about it. They just might be a many-time convincer that they just will not make a decision on the spot. Uh, or they might just have no time, no money, and a whole host of other things in between. So there are three key categories or three key reasons as to why many objections are thrown out. There's a level of skepticism. There's a misunderstanding. Well, they simply want to stall. Now, the key thing we have to understand is when a customer, potential customer puts out one of these, it's not something to fight. It's not something to overcome. It's something to just have a conversation with, look at it for what it is, and then identify, okay, how can I handle this objection? How can I handle this problem? How can I handle this issue to a level of satisfaction that gives that particular customer enough information to then be able to make an informed, rational and comfortable decision. Now, does that mean that sometimes you don't have to ask for the order? Well, of course, you're going to have to ask for the order because sometimes the case is people are not going to be interested and people won't necessarily take action unless they're asked to take action. But I can also share that there'll be people out there that if you handle the objections really well, they will naturally lean forward, they'll feel comfortable, there'll be a higher level of trust they have in you, and therefore often they'll ask you, what is the next step? What do we need to do now? How can we start to move forward? And that's that's music to a salesperson's ears because it basically says that you've got a match between the problem they've got and the solution you've got to solve that problem. And therefore, there's a level of trust that they want to do business with you. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got the best product and you don't have to have the best product or the best service. You just have to have the best service and the best product for them. And that's it. So don't try to be anything that you're not. Now, when it comes to handling these objections, this is this is where the rubber hits the road. First of all, we've got to accept that objections are going to be part of the game. It's, um, it's just something that we can't necessarily overcome. 
and as best as you can possibly plant and seed objections throughout the sales process, in some cases there'll still be objections towards the end. Now, what my experience is if is, is if you have provided objections throughout the process, or at least seeded objections, handle those objections throughout the sales process. When it gets to the end of the sales process, any objections that are therefore thrown up typically are going to be more real more higher quality and therefore if you can handle those effectively there'll be less toing and froing and you'll be able to get to a closure really quickly and a lot quicker than if you're handling a lot of the objections at the end of the process. So when it comes to handling objections I want to introduce a very very simple yet effective four-step process known as APAC and APAC stands for Acknowledge, Probe, Answer and Confirm. Now I took the team through this yesterday and they found it very, very useful. And it's something that I've used a lot with sales teams over the years, use it myself, and certainly when I teach sales leaders and sales teams on how to be a more effective salesperson, how to maximize the opportunities that are in front of them, and certainly how to handle objections, APAC is front and center in that particular teaching. So it stands for, as I said, acknowledge, probe, answer, and confirm. So the first part, A, acknowledge. This is, uh, this is an interesting one. And I said to the team yesterday, how often do you thank a customer or a potential customer for throwing out an objection. <laughs> they said, well, uh, very rarely, if ever. And I said, well, what do most people do when an objection gets thrown at them? What is the first inclination of the salesperson? And you're probably sitting there thinking, well, I know exactly what the answer is. And if you're thinking that the answer is we go straight into solution mode, that is exactly what the team thought yesterday. In fact, my experience with most salespeople when an objection gets thrown out, it's almost like an unconscious response that they go straight into solution mode. And they try to combat and therefore overcome the objection with facts, figures, proof. They try to do the convincing. We need to take a step back. We need to think about, and this is what point one acknowledges all about. We need to take time to breathe. We need to think about how do we actively listen? How do we note their voice tone? How do we take, take, take notice of their body language, particularly if you're face-to-face -face with a particular customer and they're throwing out an objection to you? And what about this? What if you actually thanked the prospective customer for their objection? What if you demonstrated a level of gratitude? Now, I'm not saying, oh, thank you so much for sharing that objection with me. I'm really, really, I'm so glad you did that. I'm not talking about that because that's false platitudes. What I'm talking about is, hey, just as simple as, hey, I really appreciate you think you're sharing that with me. I can see how that's a bit of a concern for you, right? And taking the time to, to do that, very often we'll put the prospect or the potential customer at ease and a high level of comfort because what are they expecting? They're expecting based on conditioning from all the salespeople they've dealt with over their journey over their journey is they're expecting the salesperson to go straight into convincing and product service features benefits mode. And when you don't do that, obviously all of a sudden you're doing something different. So the first part is acknowledging it and acknowledging it and thanking them for providing that objection, thanking them for sharing that. And once you've got that, once you've, once you've got the acknowledgement there, it gives you a little bit of time, of, uh, time to think as well and to process, okay, how do I need to approach this? Is it, and this is where step two comes in, which is P for probe. Now, this is where we need to identify and we need to expand on what they've said. We need to ask questions to justify and to clarify the objection that they've just thrown out. We need to ask the customer questions on specifics. We need to then paraphrase back to them so that we understand that what they said is what I heard. And therefore, going back to them, essentially trying to identify, is this objection the root cause of the problem? 
or are they just throwing out a surface level problem that they want to try to stall me, deflect my attention so they don't have to make a decision? The idea of probing is exactly as the word suggests. It's to probe, it's to find out, it's to investigate. Now, this is not an investigative situation where you're doing forensic analysis and leading the witness. It's basically keeping yourself removed from the outcome but asking questions that are based on curiosity to find out, based on what the customer said to you, is that true? Is it really that particular objection that they're thrown out? Now, if you believe, based on that questioning, based on that level of probing, that you have identified the real problem, then the next part makes it a little bit easier, and that's, that's the A answer. This is where we decide whether or not we want to answer that objection there and then. Now, if we decide to answer the objection right there and give them the answer, we've got to make sure that it's concise. We have to make sure we answer with certainty. And we've also got to make sure that we use persuasive language. And this is not just convincing them based on all the features and product, features and benefits of the product or the service. This is about making the recommendation, identifying what it was that was the problem in the first place, and thinking about what are the elements of my solution that will fit the, fit the need that's been identified, that will help solve the problem. But what other evidence can I provide as part of that to influence them to make a more educated decision? And that might mean I might have to give them statistics. I might have to give them a case study. I might have to introduce them to a third party to have a conversation with so that they feel better about making that decision. So it might be a third party endorsement. So we need to be persuasive in our language. And then the final part is to wrap it up is simply see, confirm. And this is simple as checking in to see whether the objection has been handled. And if not, we go back to probe and we probe once more because it means that we haven't identified the real objection yet. Now, confirming is just simply saying, hey, is, does this alleviate your concern? Does this take care of what you were concerned about? We're never, we're never going to say, does this overcome your objection? Does this handle your objection? Essentially, it's just to check in to say, hey, uh, what you've shared with me and the information that I've provided you, is that enough for you to be able to make a decision to move forward? That's essentially what we're saying. If the answer is yes, great. It means that you've identified that particular objection. It's been handled to their satisfaction, and there's a level of comfort now to move forward to the next step. If the answer is no, then it simply means, as I said, that the objection hasn't necessarily been identified or the true objection hasn't been identified. So you go back to probe and you start that process again. But here's the key thing. We only do this process twice because you will find there'll be people out there that no matter what you do, no matter how many questions you ask, no matter what sort of solution you put in place, they simply will not make a decision on the spot. So we need to be mindful of that. And this is where your emotional intelligence comes in and just being able to read the play. So only go through this process twice. Because remember, we're playing the infinite game. We are not playing the finite game. Whether you get a sale today, whether you get a sale tomorrow, whether you get a sale next week, it doesn't really matter. As long as we get the sale, we build the relationship, and we're in this for the long haul. So there it is. There's the four-step process for handling objections. And it's a really simple yet profound and very effective process. So I hope that makes sense. Hope that helps you as a sales leader and certainly hope it helps your sales team as well. And if you'd like some help with this, uh, implementing this, if you'd like some help with your sales team, or in fact, if you'd like some help with yourself taking your leadership to the next level because you are committed and you do know there's another level to get to, you know the drill. Let's go and work together one-on-one. We can do that as early as next week. Simply jump on my calendar. We'll have a conversation. Go to leadwithdarren.com. Pick a time, we'll have a conversation and start working together as early as next week so we can get you well on your way to being that exceptional sales leader in the next 90 days. So with that, have a phenomenal weekend. Trust you have a restful weekend and look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best.
Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.